Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. I've been talking to you about the possibility of things changing, a rapid deep, you know, depression, a, a devaluation of the dollar. Things are starting to happen. I wrote a book, Rich Dad's Prophecy, saying that 2016 would be the year. And I, that book was published in 2002, so that was 14 years ahead of schedule. And today we have breaking news to let you know it's getting closer, faster, so pay attention. This is a very important show for you. You'll hear information about the U.S. dollar, Saudi Arabia, 9-11, Obama, Bernanke, and the whole world economy right now, so pay attention. We have a very special guest. He's probably our most popular guest. His name is Bert Doman, professional trader, investor, and analyst, founder of Doman Capital Research. We're fellow Hawaiians. You know, when I was growing up in Hawaii, when I had no money, Bert was God out there. I mean, everybody listened to Bert. So you should listen to Bert today, too, because what you're going to hear may be news for many of you. You know, if you people really believe what you hear on, you know, CBS, 60 Minutes and all that stuff, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. You're going to hear things that most people suspect might be happening but have no idea what is happening. So today we're going to talk about money as usual about Saudi Arabia, 9-11. You know, what does it mean that some Americans want to sue the Saudi government? How come the 9-11 report that was still classified, nobody heard anything? You know, why why did we parachute on 9-13, two days later into Afghanistan, but we left Saudi Arabia alone? Isn't that interesting? So you're going to find out what happened after 1971 when Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and then we went on to the petrodollar standard. In other words, we cut a deal with Saudi Arabia. We cut a deal with Saudi Arabia. We cut a deal with Saudi Arabia, and that deal is coming apart right now. What it means to you is probably the most important bit of information you'll ever get from Rich Dad Radio. So I want to welcome to our program probably the most respected person I know when it comes to, as my Spanish friends say, que pasa? What's going on? So Bert, <laughs> Doman, welcome to the program. And you're very excited about what's going on in Doha and oil and all that, right? Yes, Robert, first of all, let me say it's uh, wonderful to be with you again. So Bert, you know, as we talk, this is pre-recorded and all this, but today... President Obama is in Saudi Arabia. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You know, the, suddenly this uh, trip was announced that he's going to Saudi Arabia. 
this came, uh, you know, there was a very uh, series of events. First of all, I think a TV program, 60 Minutes, had something about these 28 pages of the 9-11 report. And these 28 pages are classified, so nobody's allowed to see those except a few uh, congressmen on a special committees and so on. So uh, there was a push to get these unclassified. Then the next step was Saudi Arabia said, if you declassify them, uh, then we're going to dump $750 billion of U.S. Treasury securities onto the market. So don't do it, you know. So that was a threat. I don't think they would ever do it, but that was a threat. Uh, and so it went back and forth. Then there was an interview uh, on a radio show, uh, David Axelrod, who's one of the top uh, the president's uh, confidants, uh, he was the PR guy in Chicago who really put Obama into the race for president years ago. And he has a radio program, and he had one of the top uh, White House officials on his radio program. And this White House official uh, basically said, well, we know that uh, the Saudi Arabian embassy in Washington and the consulate in Los Angeles uh, were sending money to some of the terrorists before 9-11. So th this is... It, it, it almost, I mean, this was not a coincidental interview. You can, you can imagine that this was all planned. So you wonder what is going on behind the scenes. And the next thing we heard, oh, wow, the president of the United States is going to, to, uh, to Saudi Arabia. So what is going on? You know, there, there are some high-level meetings, and it's being uh, downplayed of what this is all about. Uh, obviously, um, uh, there's a a big debate going on between uh, the two countries. And uh, you can only imagine what the outcome is. If so, you can even imagine what the content is. Well, let me, let me just say some stuff because I have been um, a student trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I'll just give some information about how I'm interested in it. In 1969, I got hired by a company called Standard Oil, you know, John D. Rockefeller's yeah. company. Yeah. And that's when I started understanding oil and how much it means to the world and how much money people make off of oil, how much the world economy is based upon oil. And then you start looking at what's going on. For example, and I was a former U.S. Marine, and we go to Vietnam for oil. You know, it wasn't to save the hearts and minds of the Vietnamese yeah, people. Exactly. You know, we wanted oil. We want Vietnam's oil because that would keep the oil away from China. And so it was all of this stuff going on, and I be become suspicious. I returned from Vietnam, and I talked to people. I said, ah, you worry too much. You're a conspiracy therapy guy. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. But I'll give you some facts, okay? Oil is traded in dollars all over the world. So in 1971, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, the breaking the Bretton Woods Agreement, we had to do something because those dollars were now worthless, so the U.S. apparently cut a deal with Saudi Arabia saying that if you'll make it a requirement for all countries to buy oil in U.S. dollars, we'll do two things for you. We'll sell you arms and we'll protect you from Israel. That's the deal. All you have to do, Saudi Arabia, is buy our sovereign debt, our bonds. And so when Saudi Arabia, that became petrodollars. And then the world went on to the dollar standard because for anybody to do business in the world, they had to convert to dollars to buy oil, which is the lifeblood of the economy. 
So when Bert calls me, this this meeting in Doha and Saudi Arabia, they're trying to keep the price from oil of collapsing and all this. This is no small event. Would you agree with that, Bert? One hundred percent. And there was even more to this oil deal. Iran, there was a deal with the Shah of Iran uh, to uh, uh, get the oil price up. So if you get the oil price up, the excess profits that you're going to be making, we require you to buy uh, buy U.S. arms, really, uh, you know, buy the uh, fighter planes, the battleships, etc., etc. So this was a way to help uh, the defense industry in the U.S. and so on. There's so much going on behind the scenes that people never know. And as you said, Vietnam, I think a lot of uh, the college kids, and, you know, I was in college at the time, we knew that this was not a fight against communism. This was a fight for money. Right. Uh, it was a money grab. That's all, uh, all Vietnam was. And there's one more piece of information is that there was a man named Saddam Hussein. Remember, Saddam Hussein was not part of 9-11, but he did in 2000 shift the sale of Iraq's oil into euro dollars, the euro. And then this guy named Gaddafi said, to hell with you, America. I'm going to sell my oil in dinars. And he wanted to create his own central bank and all this stuff. So he got taken out. And then there was this little event called Benghazi, which, as you know, today has got Hillary in a lot of trouble. And everybody thinks she's a lying little woman there because she can't tell you what's happening. At the same time, we have uh, President Obama over in Saudi Arabia, as we speak, and he's saying you can't sue. You, you just don't sue Saudi Arabia. And then 60 Minutes comes on and says a 9-11 report, there's stuff they've never said, which implicates Saudi Arabia. So with that, Bert, what does that all mean to our listeners? What does it mean? Well, we're, we're seeing basically diplomatic wars at the highest levels. You know, instead of fighting with arms right now, and this includes Russia, uh, it's being done with threats at the highest levels. Saudi Arabia is threatening the U.S. now uh, with dumping $750 billion of U.S. Treasury uh, securities. Bert, would they ever do that? I don't think they would because they would be hurting themselves more. And second of all, I think it would not upset the markets for more than a day or two because the Federal Reserve would be in there buying them. The Federal Reserve can buy any amount because the Federal Reserve it doesn't need to have the money. They just uh, they use cyber money. It's just a computer entry, and, uh, and that's how they pay for these purchases. And the other question that's in the news, then, is Aramco, which is Saudi Arabia's oil thing, which I don't know much about. They're up for sale. Why are they doing that? They're, they, need, they need the money. Saudi Arabia is planning ahead. They need uh, money to make up for uh, huge negative cash flow. And uh, so they're uh, do, uh, talking about an IPO of a, a trillion dollars of Aramco stock. It's only a, a small percentage. It's the largest company in the world. And uh, so a trillion dollars they would raise in the IPO market. Now, if they make an enemy of the Western financial uh, system, they would not be able to do an IPO, would they? If they dump these treasury bonds onto the market, there's no, no financial firm in the world that would help them do the IPO of Aramco stock. I think Saudi Arabia has a much better threat, and that is we're going to push the oil price down to $10 a barrel. The entire U.S. fracking industry would go bankrupt. And with them, the U.S. junk bond, uh, bond market would collapse. 
With that, many banks would collapse, and that would be much more effective of a threat than dumping U.S. Treasury securities onto the market. So what do you think uh, President Obama, and this is pre-recorded and he's there as we speak, <laughs> what do you think well, he's talking first about? First of all, we'll never find out, Robert, what was discussed. You know, okay. We will never find out. It's just like we never found out what's in these 28 pages of the 9-11 report, uh, which, according to insiders uh, who have seen the report, they say, uh, no, basically there's, uh, it has all the evidence that the Saudi embassy in Washington, D.C., together with the Los Angeles consulate, uh, sent money to these terrorists before the 9-11 attack. And there was no weapons of mass destruction in, in Iraq, were there? No. No, there weren't. Iraq was a different thing. If you read the reports at that time, you know, we do a lot of research underneath what you normally read in the media. The, the media news is so censored, it's just like China. You don't, you don't really find out what's happening around the world. Uh, but at the time, I remember so well when they were talking about uh, uh, Iraq, Saddam Hussein sent emissaries to Washington, D.C. to talk to the president of the United States. Please do not attack us. We can resolve this. We will do this. We will do this and this. There's no need to have a, uh, to have a war between us and so on. He tried everything he could to prevent an attack for several months, and his emissary didn't even get an audience in Washington. Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, we're talking to one of our most popular guests, Bert Doman. His website is DomanCapital.com. You're hearing things that the average American will never hear because, as Bert says, our news is censored. So the reason this program is so important is, as you know, as I said earlier, is that today, and this program is pre-recorded, President Obama is in Saudi Arabia. And everybody goes, what does that mean? 60 Minutes, the same weekend, says... The 9-11 report, there's part that they've never revealed. And there's people from the 9-11, people who lost friends and family, want to sue Saudi Arabia. You know, Obama's up there saying, hey, don't do that. Well, all of this goes all the way back to 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard, broke the Bretton Woods Agreement. The dollar was in trouble. 1973, we have the oil crisis. In a, in a, you, got, you know, We had long lines trying to buy oil. And then suddenly, 1974, Nixon and Kissinger talked to Saudi Arabia, and the dollar is now backed by oil. It's called a petrodollar. And once that happened, the world went on the dollar standard. If the, do if the dollar was not backed by oil, the U.S. dollar would have collapsed. What a petrodollar means is everybody in the world who buys oil, which is everybody, they must trade in dollars. So that meant, and then the agreement was the U.S. said to uh, Saudi Arabia, you sell us your oil, you sell all oil in dollars. We don't want your money, but we want you to store all of your reserves in bonds or sovereign, I mean, U.S. debts, debt securities, and we'll protect you from Israel. So if you notice just recently, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel comes to America and Obama snubs him. We're on the side of Saudi Arabia. And once again, Saddam Hussein in 2000, he said, we're no longer going to trade in dollars. We're getting off the dollar standard. We're going to trade in euro. He got taken out. You know, they found mysterious weapons of mass destruction in his backyard. And then again, there was Libya, 
this guy named Gaddafi who says, we're going to trade in dinars. We're going to sell our oil in dinars to hell with the U.S. dollar. And he got taken out. So all of this stuff starts, you know, it's not an accident. Things are happening. So that's why our special guest, Bert Doman, his website is Doman Capital. Please subscribe to his letter, The Wellington Report. But he has a wealth of information about the past, present, but more importantly, the future. So, Bert, what would you say is happening right now? What, what, what is really concerning you about this Obama being in Saudi Arabia? We will never know. That's the first thing. <laughs> so we can only guess. But I see that there are some very important games being played at the top levels of government. This includes uh, Russia, of course, Iran, Saudi Arabia, the U.S., and China. Let's not forget China. And uh, instead of them attacking each other with warplanes and bombs, etc., and nuclear weapons, this is, this is a diplomatic war. And uh, unfortunately, we're playing with some of the best chess players in the world. The game of chess was invented in Iran, okay? The uh, Russians are great chess players. And the only thing we have in Washington is checker players, okay? <laughs> Guess who's going to win that game? These people are very smart uh, that are competing with us. So we can only guess. I always uh, say in, in our Wellington letter, which is now celebrating its 39th year. Can you imagine? I've been writing this thing for 39 years. It's a fantastic pub. I, I mean, our whole company looks forward to receiving it. Uh, thank you. But look for the agenda. Follow what the agenda may be. We will not know for certain, but we can guess. And the agenda last year, a year ago, before oil really started topping, we started getting cell signals on oil. And you could figure out why. Why is this happening? And then suddenly you said, you know, perhaps the agenda is Saudi Arabia to get the competition out of the market. And the easiest competition to get out of the market is the U.S. fracking industry because it's private. Private in, uh, companies have a limited amount of capital, right? And if the price goes low enough, they don't have any capital anymore because nobody will lend them any money. Okay, so the, the fracking industry was the biggest competitor for Saudi oil. So get the oil price low enough, destroy the U.S. fracking industry. Okay, they also wanted to hurt Russia, but Russia's uh, oil industry is uh, governmental. Okay, so there's an infinite, uh, infinite amount of money or relatively infinite, uh, to uh, support the oil industry in Russia. And so if you know what the agenda is, you can pretty much get the investment structure right. Right now, the agenda, another agenda that's very important is for the central banks to promote their stock markets. They know that there's nothing they can do about the deteriorating economic conditions. Okay, one country after another is starting to go into recession. And they're totally unable to reverse that trend. They've tried very much with these huge QE programs. We've got now worldwide $13 trillion of artificial liquidity has been uh, produced by the central banks. $13 trillion, that's an amount of money that nobody can even imagine how big that is. Okay? We have now over $7 trillion of governmental bonds in the, in the world yielding below zero. That means that if you buy a bond... A government bond in Europe, in one of these countries that has negative rates, you actually are a lender, right, to the, to the government when you buy a bond, okay? But now instead of receiving interest on your money, you have to pay the government when you buy these bonds for the pleasure of lending them money. 
this has never been done in the history of the world. The eventual consequences, I believe, will be that the destruction of money will become inevitable of currency. And this is why now you see more and more articles. They're sponsored by the guys behind the scenes about, oh, we really need digital currency. We have to call in all the paper currency, and everything's currency. Everybody's going to have their little card, and you can buy things with it. That means that, of course, the government can shut off your card at any time, at will. If you say things that are bad about the government, they'll just cut off your card, and, and you can buy absolutely nothing anymore. People are already getting prepared. They're buying gold, so buying silver. As, as for our listeners, is that what you're talking about today? I mean, you know, gold and silver is manipulated by the government also. For example, I read this one report. If peop, if the government really wanted to crush gold, I think today capital gains in gold is taxed at 28%. All they have to do is raise capital gains on gold to 75%. It becomes worthless. What do you think uh, about that? You read that in the Wellington letter. Oh, you wrote that. No wonder. Okay. I've, I've been saying that for years. When everybody's talking about you got to buy gold, you got to buy gold. And uh, I said, you, if you're an American citizen, you don't want to buy gold because they will, you know, and they're not kind of going to confiscate it as they did in the 1930s. I said, there's a much easier way, and they can do it overnight. They just access a profit tax of 75 percent on uh, on gold, and you may your holdings for the last 20 years will suddenly the profits will disappear that's why i tell americans buy mining stocks mining stocks they're not going to be called in they're not going to have an excess tax because they would kill the companies and so on we need those mining companies the mining companies also have much more leverage if the price of gold goes up 10% the profits of a of a specific mining company may double that's good lesson, good, good information. Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. So we're talking to Bert Doman. We're talking about the history of it, but more we're going to go into what can you do. And Bert gave us some wonderful information is the importance of owning mining stock versus fiscal gold and silver. Anything else, Bert? Uh, in regard to investments, because that's what it all boils down to. There are very few alternatives now. If you're in the stock market now in long positions, I would uh, try to get out by the end of the month. Uh, this uh, rally we've had, you know, on, uh, we said on February 12th, which was one day after the bottom of the, of the market, February 12th, said, now a rally is engineered. All the signs are there. This is when Jamie Dimon of uh, J.P. Morgan bought $26 million worth of his own bank stock. It was one year of salary he used for that. And there were several other things that happened on that day, and I said the fix is in. Uh, rally is going to be generated. If it's like 2008, we also had a rally early in 2008 to fake everybody out. It's going to last about two months. Okay, two months later, here we are, middle of uh, April. So uh, you have to start being careful. I see absolutely no sign that this rally saw any investment buying. This is totally fabricated. Almost 100% of the money going into the market in the last two months was from companies doing stock buybacks or manipulating their own stock price because this is how the executives have their stock options and the stock options become worth more. Okay, So it's all game of smoke and mirrors. That's what we're seeing here. There's no investment buying in this rally. And when suddenly something comes out that's beyond the control of the central banks to fix, you're going to see a very sharp decline. 
Once again, Robert Kiyosaki, The Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Bert Doman, founder of Doman Capital, D-O-H-M-E-N, Capital Research. He doesn't sell investments, but he sells his research. His website is domancapital.com, D-O-H-M-E-N-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. It's a lot of information about the past, present, and future where we're at today. So you can learn more by repetition, but more importantly, share it with your friends and family, business partners, listen to it and discuss because through a discussion, it'll sink in even more. Our special guest today is a very popular guest. is Bert Doman, a fellow Hawaiian. Grew up, you know, he was in Hawaii when I had no money, scrounging around trying to figure out how I was going to make a buck. And Bert was always controversial. He always said things that made the news, and nothing has changed. So his website is domancapital.com. His letter is the Wellington Report. He has other types of reports and uh, investor services that are very, very important, especially today, especially if you already drank the Kool-Aid of getting job security, saving money, and investing for the long term in your 401k. You might be on the you know the road to disaster following that advice. The Rich Dad Company is not saying to buy or sell or do anything like that. I would know that we endorse Bert, but although we do subscribe to his services, simply because he is, in my opinion, the most accurate forecaster I have I have met. I've met other guys who are pretty good, but Bert is on it every single day. So um, let's talk one more time. You have any more information on China? Because China is the new Magilla in the market, right? Well, yeah. Before we go to China, because that is one of my favorite topics, I wrote a book three years ago, The Coming China Crisis, and now we're seeing it. Uh, I also wrote a book in 2007 called Prelude to Meltdown, forecasting that in 2008 we would see a monumental global financial crisis, which we did. Of course, when I wrote the book, nobody wanted to believe it. Uh, So uh, right now, uh, I would want to talk about U.S. Treasury bonds. Nobody likes U.S. Treasury bonds, right? And uh, I was speaking at Freedom Fest. It's a great conference in uh, Las Vegas every uh, July. We all had to give our favorite uh, investment for the next 12 months. And I said, uh, U.S. Treasury bonds via an ETF that I really like. And I gave the symbol of the ETF. And, of course, that was a very boring investment. How can you recommend a T-bond as your favorite investment? Well, from that time in July at the, at the bottom uh, to uh, the high here just a few weeks ago, it was up 27%, 27% on an ETF for U.S. Treasury bonds. Okay? What did the stock market do since that time? Absolutely nothing. Just chopped you up into little pieces. And uh, so uh, this is how you can make a lot of money, by, by uh, thinking out of the box, not doing what everybody else does. If you see a, recommending, uh, a recommendation on financial TV, that's one signal for me always. Don't even think about buying. If you want to do something, maybe uh, wait a couple of days and then sell it short. Thank you for that advice. Once again, you don't profit from that selling and buying and sell the ETF, do you? No. So- but if you want to go to China... China is another one of the big hypes. Okay, everybody's talking, oh, China has 6.5% growth, economic growth. Or now the latest number was 6.7%. Everybody got excited. Wow, it's getting better. Look at this big improvement. Well, the current president of China, he's an economist. He said a few years ago in a press conference, he said the GDP numbers from China should be taken as a guide. It's only a guide or in a reference. 
It should not be taken as being accurate. Okay? No, it's totally phony. It's like Grimm's fairy tales. If you believe the fairy tales, yes, believe the China GDP. But we have here Janet Yellen, the head of the Federal Reserve. We have Christine Lagarde, the head of the International Monetary Fund. They're all quoting these official GDP numbers out of China. But when you take a look at all of the important ingredients of the China economy, like railroad car loadings, like exports plunging at 20% annual rate, uh, you, you take a look at electrical consumption. All of these things are way down in a negative growth area. How can you have all of these important components of the economy just nosediving and GDP growing at 6.5%? It is impossible. But, Bert, isn't that the same thing that well, you and I were talking about the break? That's the same thing going on in the U.S. That's, that's what you're right about. How can we have GDP? How can the stock market be going up when our GDP numbers are going down? Isn't that what you're saying? Exactly. Now, uh, take a look at GDP numbers. And uh, I think it was on March 11th, the forecast of Wall Street was still 2.6% GDP growth. You know, uh, a, a few weeks later, uh, it was uh, dropped down to 0.6. So from 2.6 to 0.26. I mean, that's a, that's a huge uh, revision. In what, is, what, what does now, that the mean? The Atlanta Fed is uh, talking about one-tenth of a percent GDP growth during the first quarter. But what does that mean to the average person who is not an economist, doesn't have informal training, and who is in a 401k? What does this all mean? We are going into a recession. And here are all the guys coming onto TV, all the Wall Street economists who are totally conflicted, they are told what they can say and what they cannot say. Most people don't realize that. Any uh, employee of a Wall Street firm that goes on TV, what they say on TV has to be pre-approved. This is, there's no freedoms of speech on Wall Street. So this is all phony baloney. We are in a recession now. If you look at the real numbers, we are you know, some sectors are just a little bit above zero. Some sectors are already quite a bit below zero growth and so on. And the world, the whole world is contracting. You take a look at shipping. Take a look at the Baltic uh, freight index, which is a, ship, a shipping freight index. It not only broke the crisis low of 2009 when we saw photos of all of the big shipping, uh, uh, the big ships in Singapore and other harbors, lying there at anchor because they had nothing to transport, 2009. Now the rates are below that level. Not only that, the last uh, recession before that was 2002, okay? Remember that? Now the price of shipping is even below 2002. You can almost rent a huge 1,000-foot tanker, oil tanker, for the price it costs you to rent a yacht on Lake Tahoe. <laughs> okay, Bert, what does this all mean? It means that, you know, things are starting to contract. The central banks are panicking. They can do nothing else but have another QE. So the last resort is zero or the negative interest rates, which cause such immense distortions in the financial system that it could collapse the entire financial system. It won't happen tomorrow or next month, and probably not this year. But there are such serious problems being created right now. And if you look back, every serious collapse that we have seen over the last 100 years, and the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, has been produced by the Federal Reserve. So the question we is... We should not have it. We should so, not have Federal Reserve in charge of money. I agree. But the problem is, you know, GDP numbers are going down. Stock prices, you know, just a couple of days ago went past 18, the Dow went past 18,000 again. 
When you look at that, what does that mean to you? Totally manipulation. Most people don't even realize that the markets are so manipulated. We have high-frequency trading now. What was abbreviated HFT, okay? They're computers, high-speed computers. They're located right next to the stock exchange in order to shave a few microseconds of transmission time. Okay? Um, so they can enter 90,000 trades, not stocks, trades per second. Per second. Can you imagine how fast? So they enter all these trades all the time. Most of these trades, over 95%, are canceled within a fraction of a second. The SEC has been deliberating a rule here for several years that the order would have to be left into the market for a minimum of one second. So Can once you again, this? you know, this when is I what listen, we're dealing with. Well, when I, when I listen to financial planners who give you the old rot, go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, get out of debt, and invest for the long term in your 401k, and technology is bringing you in and out. A microsecond is a millionth of a second, and you're going long 40 years. What do you have to say to those guys, Bert? Well, just take a look at the stock market. You know, many of the major indices, and I always tell people, don't look at the Dow. Don't look at the S&P 500. Look at the indices that really matter, like the New York Composite has every stock on the New York Stock Exchange in it, and that is still way below the high of last year. In fact, recently it was near 2013 levels. Same thing with the Russell 2000, 2000 small cap stocks, about the same level. So we're now at levels where we were in 2013, 2014. That means that all of the money managers who have been buying stocks since that time, 2014, 2015, are probably sitting there with big losses in their positions. And that's why this market has huge overhead resistance. If you don't look at the Dow Industrials, that's only 30 stocks. They're very easy to manipulate. The S&P 500, probably 15 or 20 stocks control most of the, uh, the price changes of the S&P 500. It's 500 stocks, but most of them are very high-cap stocks like Apple and so on. So these are the stocks that are being manipulated to give the impression to investors that all is well. The impression is what Washington lives on. Everything is wonderful. The stock market is at a new high. How can anything be wrong? So, you know, you Bert, know? Me, uh, you, know, you know I'm a real estate guy. I'm a debt guy. I like fiscal gold and all that. I'm, I'm a gold mining. I own gold companies, mining companies. So I'm kind of the tangible guy. But I'm in the gym the other day, and this kid comes up to me. He's probably 25 years old. He says, I own, I own a lot of Costco. He took, you know, he took a narrow lines, went into a Costco. So he's going to ride what he believes is, quote, unquote, blue chip and all that. What do you think about that strategy where you go long a single kind of blue chip company? It's, it's all a matter of timing. You don't want to get long after a seven-year bull market. You want to be selling short after a seven-year bull market. So that's a trader mentality, not, not a long-term investor that's mentality. That's not trading. A seven-year move, that's not trading. I personally trade the markets every day, right. all day long, and I don't do day trading. And so I take positions. I participate in sector rotation, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I use technical analysis. Most people never spend the time on learning technical analysis. Yeah. That is the only way that you can catch turning points in the stock market is using technical analysis or by subscribing to one of our services where we do it for you. Right. You know? uh, but it's the only way. We've caught the, every start of a major decline over the last 38 years. 
That's pretty good. I don't know anybody else that has done that. No, your your track record is impeccable. Yes. No, I don't want to do, pat myself on the back. No, I, saying, I'll do it for you, Bert. You can do it with technical analysis. You can't do it using Bert, fundamentals. Bert, I'll do it for you because, like I said, all the time, I li- <laughs> every time I lived in Hawaii, you know, I mean, your name was either mud or it was gold. <laughs> and then yeah. I remember one of my neighbors, she says, oh, that SOB, Bert, look at what he said here. He's so negative, you know, and then boom. I, I yeah, should, I should. You know, I should have listened to him. You know, <laughs> Robert. You know, I had a. In fact, this was a, a broker, a very nice guy. He was a Navy pilot, and I really always have respected uh, military pilots because pilots are used to controlled risk, high risk but controlled risk. Okay, uh, so instead of uh, uncontrolled risk, no, a pilot knows where the risk is and he knows how to reduce that risk. Uh, so. And he told me a story. He said, there's one client, he's an old guy, he lives way out in the boonies, and he said, he just comes once every seven years. And at a low, he usually, he's buying. And then he comes back and in the town when he thinks it's a top, and it's usually after seven years, and he sells. <laughs> and he said, this guy always catches the tops and the bottoms, not to the exact day, but... Right. You know, if you catch it within the first 10, 20%, you're doing very well. Very well. Once again, we're talking to Bert Doman, probably our most popular guest here at Rich Dad Radio. His website is DomanCapital.com. His services are the Wellington Letter, as well as Smart Trader and Fearless ETF Trader. Again, he doesn't sell investments. He sells his views on the marketplace. We don't endorse them because it's still up to you. You're still responsible. But he has insights that very few people do, and he has the guts to say things you'll never hear on Financial Bubble Vision or the Financial Reports, although Bert is very popular on Forbes and those magazines. What would our listeners do besides buying your services? What can our listeners do today? I think educate yourself. Look, nobody has more interest in in your money than you do. I mean, there's scam artists who have more interest, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But you want to take an interest in your money. This is the most important thing. You work for your wealth all your life. And then people, you know, I have made it a habit over the last 15 years. I always ask people uh, when they engage me in a conference, do you have an IRA? Yes. And uh, they say, do you know what's in it? Uh, then they start stuttering. And I said, well, do you know if it's stocks or bonds or what? Well, I think it's, you know. And they said, well, do you know at least if it's individual securities or if is it ETFs uh, or mutual funds? And they really don't know. No. I have not yet met one person, and we're talking about hundreds of people. I have not met one person that knows what is in his IRA. That's pretty sad news. Once again, Bert, I really want to thank you. Um, yeah. I'll say this. Look, every time I interview Bert Doman, it has to be after the market closes. We <laughs> talk to him, and he says, look, Obama being in Saudi Arabia today is more important than the stock market. So that's how important this program has been. So I want to thank you, Bert, for always being a friend, being a mentor, somebody I look up to. So the most popular part of our program is called Ask Robert. So you can submit your questions to Rich Dad Radio. Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. So, Melissa, what are some of the first some of the questions? Our first question today comes from Craig in Erie, Pennsylvania. Favorite book, Midas Touch. He says, with the coming collapse, do you project a deflationary depression or a hyperinflationary depression? That's a very sophisticated question. I like to answer it this way, okay? What the Fed did or what the U.S. government did was it created quantitative easing. 
You have to understand all that was was to bail out the rich. It wasn't meant to bail out you and me. So if you understand this, as Bert says, everything is manipulated and you wonder why there's no financial education in school, you won't ask such hyper, hyper questions. I would rather be on the rich side that they bail me out. The other point about it is, is why is this gap between the rich and the poor growing wider and wider? Well, it's because most people are sending their kids back to school. And we learn nothing about school. You know, that, that's really intelligent. I really can't, haven't figured that one out yet. So they still save money. Now, why would you save money when the rich are printing money? You know, as, as, as Bert said, we have negative interest rates. We've never been here. And yet parents are still saying to the kids, go to school and save money. Work hard. I mean, you've got to be an idiot to do that. Really, 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 really. And I'm not saying it because I want to be obnoxious, but I am. If you are saving money when the Fed is printing money to bail out their rich friends, why are you saving money? Why are you going to school when there's no financial education? The other part about it is if they start giving people money, it won't work either because the average person, I don't care where you're in the world, thinks, oh, I'm going to save that money. So let's say the government, the Fed or whoever gives you 100 bucks, I'm going to save that money. It doesn't save the economy because the only way money is created is by borrowing money. So if you, if you save the money, it's not going to save the economy. So print or giving people money won't help. And then if you pay off your debt, that makes the economy smaller because the only way money is created is by debt. And then if you buy a um, German car or a Chinese toaster, you're still sending money overseas. So look, if you really want to save the economy, you need financial education. And the only way money is created is if the bank or the government gives you that 100 bucks, the only way you're going to save that economy is use your credit card or buy a car or buy a house, get into debt. That is the real economy, but they'll never tell you that in school. So I'm not saying telling you what to do, I'm not saying whether it's good or bad, but I'm a very rich man because I don't save money, I use debt, and I don't save dollars, I save gold and silver. It's a very different philosophy. That is a rich debt way. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Jenny in Boston, Massachusetts. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She says, I know it's a complicated topic, but I'm wondering if you have a simple explanation on how the Federal Reserve manipulates the market. There's so many different ways. That's a good question. Let me just say one way, okay? In 1987, there was 87 stock market crash, and there was a man, the Fed chairman was Alan Greenspan, and he created what's called the Greenspan put. So every time the market crashed, the Fed would come in and buy the stuff that was crashing. That's like going to Las Vegas, and the Fed says, hey, lose all you want. We'll just give you the money back. So the rich get richer. It's called the President's Working Committee on Markets or something like that. Bert calls it the plunge protection team. So every time the market plunges, the Fed comes in and gives people money, and it props the market up. The Fed just prints money, gives it to um, people like Jamie Dimon and all that, and they buy more of their stock. People aren't buying stocks. The Fed's buying stocks. The rich are buying stocks to keep this market floated up. Then what happened when Jamie Dimon spends $26 million on the stock market, the stock moves up a few points. Everybody gets excited. The amateurs come rushing in. Oh, the stock market, Dow's going up. They come in and buy diamond sells. And the gains he pays, the profits he pays, is in capital gains, not ordinary income. The average person is working for a paycheck, ordinary income, saving money, ordinary income, 401k, ordinary income. 
the rich are working for capital gains or passive income. So it's completely opposite. So the bigger question is, why is why what did you learn in school? Do you know any of this stuff? And why are you trolls trying to struggle, trying to figure this out on the side when you could subscribe to Bert's letters or read more of our books and all this and understand why the rich are getting richer? Remember, if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, lesson one, number one, most important lesson one, the rich don't work for money. But schools teach you to work for money. If you understand that, you understand why you're going broke. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Julio in Orlando, Florida. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, my wife and I own a home we bought after the 2008 crash. We have now come to the conclusion that maybe we should sell before the big mega crash coming this year. Are we right in this assessment? Who knows? That's the question. I'm glad you asked the question, but I think you're asking for an answer only you can answer. You know, like I have friends who are investing heavily in real estate because prices are going up. That's the worst time to buy. So Bert said it earlier just before he went off the air. He has a friend who buys when markets are low and sells when they're high. That's called capital gains, but that's a smart thing to do. Look, we never know. If the market crashes, this thing about why is, why is uh, Barack Obama, President Obama, in Saudi Arabia, if they end the petrodollar cycle, you know, they say the dollar is now backed by oil. If Saudi Arabia and America and Israel and Russia and Syria go to war, trillions and trillions of dollars will come home, which will create hyperinflation. If, that's an if. And if there's hyperinflation, you'll look like a genius because your $100,000 house might be worth $10 million. So we don't know. And that right now, I don't know. You know, Bert says he's buying mining stocks. I'm not buying mining stocks. Since 1975, I've been owning solid gold and solid silver. Not because I think it's that good. It's because it's a hedge. Solid gold and solid silver are not investments. They are real money. But as Bert said, if all the Fed has to do or the government has to do is raise the taxes on gold and silver and it crushes gold and silver. If you can understand the lesson that Bert Doman said, it's all manipulated. Everything is 100 percent manipulated. And that's why I thank people, you know, like you for listening to Rich Dad Radio. If I knew, I would tell you. But what I know is it's manipulated. Next question. Our next question comes from Joey in the Philippines. Favorite book, Cash Flow Quadrant. He says, what is the right age to learn about acquiring assets and investing in real estate? Is it ever really too early or too late to learn I don't know. Look, I'm going to be really tough on you, you know, because I don't know why you would ask me that question. The right time to learn is today. And it, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have a job. I create assets 24-7. You know, when I write a book, it basically comes out of my head. It's a, It becomes an asset. I, you know, publish it. I get it all protected by the the powers to be is trademark. And then, then I sell the license to promote my book, to sell my book to 50 publishing companies. So out of my head comes an asset called a book and it sold to 50 publishing companies throughout the world and money comes, cash flow comes pouring back in. The question is, how do you get so good to sell a book that sends money in? Well, that comes because I started as a kid making dimes and nickels as a kid. You know, you've read on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
So it's not only, you know, give me, I think the worst thing about school is you have to raise your hand and ask the teacher for permission to go to the toilet. You know, if you want to go to the toilet, go to the toilet. Don't ask for permission. So thank you all for listening to the Rich Dad Radio Program. We sincerely endorse, endorse thinking for yourself. If you screw up, man up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.